Swivel. Whether you survived on Uber Eats during the lockdowns or turned to the surplus of frozen foods you panic bought at the start of the pandemic, one thing we were all looking forward to was being able to go out for a meal with our friends and families. As we reopen, the message we are receiving is that if you're fully vaxxed, it's time to get on the beers and support our hospitality venues, with some governments providing vouchers and cashback schemes to encourage people to come back to our city centres. While everyone in the hospitality industry is desperate to open their doors and fill their venues with happy diners again, many are facing a new challenge. They can't find enough staff to serve their customers. For this episode, we spoke to hospitality owners and operators about the process of reopening and the workforce shortages that are putting their livelihood at risk. From Swivel Media, I'm Amanda Reedy, and this is Resolve, stories from a stop-start nation. If you're a seafood lover in Melbourne, you probably know Bakash, the fine dining restaurant located in South Yarra with wide windows that look out onto the Botanic Gardens. Owned and operated by Michael and Fiona Bakash, the restaurant is known for its quality classic seafood with a Lebanese twist. After a busy day of service, we spoke to Michael, also the restaurant's head chef, about the challenges of reopening out of lockdown in the midst of a staff shortage. Before COVID, we opened Monday to Friday lunch and Monday to Saturday for dinner. We would have had seven chefs, including myself, four kitchen hands and approximately eight front of house staff. And since COVID, we haven't been able to go back to those trading hours. We've dropped Monday and are still understaffed and not operating at capacity Tuesday through to Saturday. And I haven't had a day off since we reopened, apart from Sunday and Monday, neither is my wife. We normally were able to take shifts off during the week when the restaurant was operating, but we're both doing 12, 14 hour days, five days straight, uh, trying to make sure that the staff aren't overworked. And, and, and And they're still overworked. Positioned in a great location with plenty of foot traffic, but Cash had been able to operate in a limited capacity during lockdowns, selling takeaway meals and coffee. But the reduced hours, the unpredictable work prospects and the challenges of international travel took a toll. And by the time a full reopening was possible after the latest lockdown, a number of key staff were no longer available to return. We, we know that some of them left the country. We had a chef that left the country. We had somebody who left in between the two lockdowns. So, so I think there is a lot of loyalty through the 2020 lockdown, but maybe when people saw the 2021 coming, they decided that hospitality was an industry that was just too unstable and maybe decided to find employment in different fields or or in different states. So looked for a while in, in 2020, but Sydney wasn't anywhere near as badly affected. And so a lot of Melbourne people went to hospitality places in Sydney. But then when this year started to roll and and the numbers in Sydney started to climb, it started to look like they might come back. But then Victoria soon out-COVIDed New South Wales. And so, you know, the staffing levels are just decimated. 
we're advertising for kitchen hands and aren't getting applications. I'm cooking and washing dishes two shifts a week and we are struggling to find our staff. We're going in on our days off and doing other stuff and I'm working 12 to 14 hour days as a 60 year old chef in a kitchen at a level that my staff can't understand how I'm maintaining it. But it's not a matter of resilience, it's a matter of necessity. So you just keep doing it. While many venues are struggling to find staff at any level of experience, the fine dining setting at Bakash creates an extra challenge when it comes to hiring. There's certain skills that it takes to work in a restaurant at our level. So we are, even in the good times, maybe 10% of Melbourne's hospitality staff would have been capable of working at Bakash. You just need wine training. If you're on the floor, you need the ability to hold down a section. It's more than just walking up to a table and saying, what do you want? You have to be able to liaise with the kitchen and in the cooking side, you have to be fairly highly skilled, very good time management skills to be able to work in a kitchen like ours and like any good restaurant. So you may only have been able to employ 10% of Melbourne's hospitality without having to do a lot of training. And, And I think that's gotten worse significantly since a lot of the well-trained ones were coming from overseas. And I think that there's a perception that other industries are higher paid and all this wage theft story going on and all this sort of stuff is just making that and COVID is making it very difficult to retain staff in hospitality. Not only are Michael's staff under pressure due to the shortages, but they face customers unwilling to produce their proof of vaccinations. I just think that restaurants are under pressure, servers are under pressure. We've had numerous people come to the restaurant without their vaccination certificates and the amount of pressure that it puts on people that are on $30 an hour to say to us, a customer, you can't come in because, or you have to leave because you don't have your vaccination certificate and how they react to that, it's just unfair. For Michael, the unfilled positions have led to a decision to reduce trading hours, moving from a six-day trading week to five, and that won't increase until key positions can be filled. I would say that we're down two good chefs and two or three good waiters. Yeah, just, I mean, even more if we wanted to go back to operating Monday. I mean, if the start, if, if if you can't fill a shift, then you can't open. It's 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 that simple. So to do six days, we would have needed more staff. So because staff, you don't want to work staff seven uh, six days. So that means uh, at least eight shifts plus two kitchen hand shifts that we would need to fill, and p- potentially about eight or ten front of house shifts to fill. So that's a significant number of man hours to open up the extra day and they just aren't there. The staffing challenges being faced by Bakash aren't isolated. They're representative of issues being felt across the hospitality industry. So what has created these shortages? From what we understand, it's a combination of factors. When it comes to hospitality in Melbourne and other major cities in Australia, A large portion of jobs have traditionally been filled by overseas visitors on student and working visas. After the first lockdowns of March and April 2020, 
Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison sent a clear message to people in these situations that government support would not be coming their way. All students who come to Australia in their first year uh, have to give a warranty that they are able to support themselves for the first 12 months of their study. If they're not in a position to be able to support themselves, um, then there is the uh, there is the alternative for them to return to their home countries. Uh, we still have quite a number of people who are here on visitor visas. If you're a visitor in this country, um, it is time to make your way home. Uh, at this time, Australia must focus on its citizens and its residents um, to ensure that we can maximise the economic supports that we have. We spoke with Jessica, the operations manager for the Peppercorn Hospitality Group, which includes the Hallegood Suvalaki restaurants and Stalactites on Lonsdale Street in the Melbourne CBD, which is one of Melbourne's longest established Greek restaurants. Jessica says the group lost a number of staff during the 2020 lockdowns due to the lack of financial support available to casual workers and some international working visa holders. Anybody who wasn't an Australian citizen or Australian permanent resident wasn't eligible for any income support through the job program and they often weren't eligible for any job seeker support either like and any casuals obviously weren't eligible people that have been employed for less than a year i had some friends that were caught out been with the business for six months but weren't eligible for income support kind of thing whereas this round of lockdowns it's just been the covid emergency payments that were made through Centrelink were open to everybody who was legally able to work in Australia, which included a lot of international students and people who were on the pathway to gaining their permanent residency here. And it was purely linked to hours of work lost rather than a flat payment that didn't bear a lot of relevancy to to hours worked and things like that during the lockdowns last year. It was a lot better payment and it was a lot more a lot more targeted towards our employees, which was really fortunate. Although the government made positive changes this year to who could receive financial support during lockdowns, the instability of the hospitality industry has meant that many people have found employment in other industries and aren't looking to return. For stalactites, we're currently short about 15 to 20 staff, depending on whether we get full-time or part-time staff whatnot across the kitchen and the front of house. I think a lot of it is a lot of people did return home and that there were people that we relied on or decided it simply wasn't worth continuing down the road to permanent residency here in Australia. An awful lot of people um, became courier drivers, started working for Australia Post, Woolworths and Coles, places like that that were obviously very, very busy during the lockdowns. A lot of people moved into various related jobs like sanitation and extra cleaning and things like that. A lot of people became cleaners. It was really varied and some people took the opportunity to do things that they'd been wanting to do for a long time, like go back to school, study and use that time to return to university and things and retrain in a different industry. To get a sense of how widespread the shortages really are, we spoke with Wes Lambert, the CEO of Restaurant and Catering Australia, the peak industry body that represents over 47,000 hospitality businesses across the country. According to seek.com.au, if you search by each of the job types in hospitality, like chef and barista, kitchen hands, waitstaff, there are nearly 90,000 
job listings on Seek uh, for positions in hospitality. And this is very much in line with both the ABS, Treasury, and Ibis World's reports of there being about a 25% workforce shortage. So there normally would be about 450,000 people working in restaurant, cafe, and catering segment of accommodation food service. And at the moment, there's just under 350,000. So there's multiple data sources that uh, show that there's about 100,000 persons workforce shortage in hospitality, and it is not changing very much from week to week. Due to the overwhelming demand for staff, business owners are raising wages all over the country, which customers will see reflected on the cost of their next chicken Alfredo. But Wes says this isn't such a bad thing. There are heaps of advertisements uh, for baristas and servers and bartenders uh, in the $30 to $50 range, when normally those positions would pay 20 to 30 We've seen a spike in prices in hospitality businesses to consumers uh, to cover these added wage costs. And Rockpool was uh, quoted in a newspaper having to pay uh, dishes $90 an hour on uh, a public holiday Sunday because of the severe shortage. We have a dining culture that has held prices constant for over a decade. And what's happened is it has eaten away and eaten away and eaten away at profitability. And so one good thing about the pandemic and about this staff shortage is hospitality businesses have been able to finally raise their prices, which then covers the costs of the increased wages and increased cost of goods. With 100,000 workers needed across the industry, the government has made significant changes to working visa parameters to attract international students, travellers and skilled migrants back to the country. But many international students won't return until February. And with the Omicron variant now of concern, there is no way of knowing how many working travellers will be arriving when the borders reopen, which is causing concern for Michael and Jessica. If you're not open... You have to amass a certain amount of staff before you can open. It's not like your venue's closed and then you can find a chef and then you can say, okay, we can open next week, we've got a chef. Because you've got to put together and hold a skeletal team that will put you in a position to say that you can open. And then once you've decided that you can open, you've also got to hope that those people will be there when you do open. You are scrounging together a group of people that are unfamiliar with your venue, unfamiliar with the job that you're asking them to do, and then you've got to pay them award wages to deliver a substandard product until you can train them and get it all happening. So in some regards, if you're not, if you're not open, your prospects of opening are pretty tough. I don't believe people will be coming back in the same numbers as pre-COVID. There's an awful lot more remote study now. I, I think that's something that's always going to be there now, like the option where perhaps you can be an international student but stay in your home country and study remotely or things like that. But people will definitely come back. But I think perhaps the makeup of the people that come back to Australia will be be a little bit different. I don't think the borders reopening is going to change things overnight with staffing 
not just in hospitality, but in a, a whole range of industries. I think something has happened and I don't think it's just connected to COVID. <laughs> I think a lot of it is up to the leaders in the industry themselves to, to fix. A lot of it, I think, is an image and I can't fault people for having that view of our industry and you often see restaurateurs and owners like talking quite negatively in the media and things about about our industry and these these kind of things don't help you don't often hear about people's passion for the industry or the opportunities that are out there and things like that and I really think that these are the kind of things that will make a difference to rebounding and recovering from from the last two years. Wes believes the casualization and instability of the industry is driven by the needs of consumers and explains why it attracts international workers over Australian citizens. The nature of hospitality is such that both businesses and individuals need flexibility. So, for example, students may not get the same schedule every term or working holiday makers may not stay in the same uh, city or state uh, for longer than a few months. And certainly, given Australia's multiple climate zones, there are definitely seasons, the winter in the northern part of uh, Australia and the summer in the southern part, where businesses need more staff. So ultimately, the casual or temporary nature of many positions in hospitality is actually driven by the habits and the behaviours of consumers. So people do not go to far north Queensland during cyclone season because it's going to rain and because it's not pleasant to you know, necessarily be in that weather. Well, hospitality businesses don't need as much staff during that time period. So if consumers would love to come to far north Queensland or the, you know, the cold dead of winter to Tasmania or to southern Victoria, absolutely, those businesses could keep all of their employees on for the same hours, 52 weeks a year. But... It's really consumers that drive the cyclicality and seasonality of hospitality. Around the world, hospitality is seen as a career. Australia, because it's a very wealthy nation, has moved away from the service culture, meaning that there are fewer and fewer people that are entering into vocational education around being in the service industry like retail and hospitality. And this is something that has happened for a long time. Regardless of how much money is thrown at it by either side of politics or any side of politics, the rates of young people entering into the service industries has declined. And ultimately, working in hospitality is a very interesting profession because consumers are actually the ones that drive the hours and the days that hospitality is open. Perhaps due to their European roots, the Peppercorn Group view hospitality as a lifelong career and offer their staff much more than the status quo. All of the staff here permanent part-time or permanent full-time, and so obviously they get all their sick pay, holiday pay, personal leave, all of the things that they're entitled to. And we try as much as possible to have a very set roster. We have chefs that have been here for 15 years, 20, 25 years. Our restaurant manager has been with us for nine years. Our head waiter has been with us for 17. He's coming up to 18 years in the next couple of months. We really 
try to encourage our staff to stay long-term and continue offering them that career progression and that career development over their entire time here. And I think that shows because we have so many staff that are happy here, have been here for years and still happy and learning and engaged at work. With so many fantastic jobs on offer, it's hard to understand why the current unemployment rate is so high at 5.2%. But Wes says there are many factors that make it difficult for people to find suitable employment, especially if the work available is of a casual nature. The federal government has put heaps of money into apprenticeships and traineeships to try to get Australians working. Uh, However, looking at the unemployment rate and also the number of unemployed, Certainly there are a cohort of those people who have been unemployed for a year or more and housing will continue to be one of the number one reasons why you know, someone who gets a job offer far away from their family home may not necessarily take that offer because of the difficulty in finding housing and not wanting to live in the housing that was purpose-built for that migrant or for that temporary workforce. In spite of the challenges behind them and the challenges ahead, neither Jess nor Michael have lost their enthusiasm for their industry and hope that more Australians will consider a career in their beloved profession. I think it's important to really emphasise the fact that it's not just a job that gets you through uni. It is a viable career with fantastic progression. You can learn a lot. It's one of the only careers I know where you can hop on a plane and begin working immediately in a different country. There's not not many jobs that you can do that. And it's such a broad industry. There's so many facets of it, whether it's hotels or fine dining or cocktail bars or working in a distillery. We're all very interconnected and there's just so much opportunity within the industry. I think kitchens are the most amazing environments, I think, because they're so full of adrenaline and that's one of the most amazing things about them. Because, I mean, without adrenaline, somebody at 60 years of age couldn't do the work that that I do. And, And that adrenaline also makes you think quicker, it makes you talk quicker, it makes you crack jokes, it makes you do all sorts of stuff. And it can be euphoric. I mean, on my day off, I'm comatose almost, but... You wake up in the morning and you've got to get to work and you've got to get your section set and you've got to motivate staff and the adrenaline just keeps you going. As we approach reopening of our international borders, Michael and Jessica will be waiting with anticipation to welcome the arrival of potential new staff. But if we have learned anything over the past 18 months is that anything could change at any time. For those of us looking forward to a summer spent dining out and catching up with our loved ones, try to be patient if the meals are taking a little longer or there's a mix-up with the drink order. Chances are the restaurant is understaffed and doing their very best under very difficult circumstances. Resolve is a production of Swivel Media. It's produced by me, Amanda Reedy, Phoebe Zakowski-Wallace, and our executive producer is Scotty Allen. This episode was mixed by Rob Clark with original music by Ash Janif. Our show artwork is by Mark Osmundi and research and fact-checking is by Lauren Fitzgerald. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. 
Visit swivelmedia.com, that's swivel with an O, for details on all of our shows and find us on social media for updates on new releases. <laughs>